in his training room, he would have all the hats up on the yeah. wall like this. Yeah. And he was he was really proud of his of his collection. And they, you know, they sat up there and you know, they just were there on the wall like this. So I, I would go in, I'd take a Sharpie and I signed the underneath of the brim of all his favorite hats. And yeah. I put them back on the wall. So he he didn't even know that I had signed them. And then one day, <laughs> one, one day, <laughs> one day he, I don't know what happened. He, he took a hat off the wall and he, he saw my my signature on there. And he's like, what the, <laughs> looks at another, he looks at another one. At least it was his treasured hat collection that he had. He, you know, he was collecting these hats from all over. And he, he was, <laughs> he was so mad at me. That is former Winnipeg Jet from the 1.0 days and current Chicago Blackhawks radio analyst Troy Murray joining us on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. I'm Jamie Thomas alongside Tyler Esquivel. We'll talk about where Tyler was here momentarily, but Troy Murray, an expert, I'd have to say, on the Western Conference and the elite teams in the conference, which you have to say at this point, there's only six. So you have to put Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Vegas in the conversation. Chicago has faced all six of those teams multiple times. So Troy, an expert on what each team brings and also sharing with us what he likes about the Winnipeg Jets so far this season. A lot of time to go here, but appreciate Troy for joining us and we'll get to him momentarily. But first, you went away. Yep. You were not here for the last show. No. Nope. I've got used to you being here, so it was a little uncomfortable being by myself. <laughs> but that's not your problem. No. Your problem is... Your honeymoon. Yeah. Yes. On my honeymoon, uh, my wife and I uh, went down to Florida, uh, enjoyed some time in the sun, just hung out by the pool. I read a book. Uh, I haven't read a book. It's in... so funny when it's such a big deal when you read a book. I feel the same way. It was great. I actually finished a book. It was awesome. Yeah. I felt so accomplished afterwards. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we did that. Uh, made some nice meals uh, and went to Disney World for a couple days. Okay. So, I've been to Disney World just once. Um, fantastic place. How old were you? I was an adult, so I took okay. my, my much younger brother-in-law. He was 10 at the time. Okay. So yeah. it's uh, nice to take somebody much younger. I've never taken my kids. My kids have been without me. That's neither here nor there because <laughs> it's about you right now. Oh, dear. <laughs> really, I'm Not by something. myself. No, no, no. <laughs> they went with family. Okay. Um, you went, it, you said two days. Is two days too much, too little? It was It was perfect yeah. for us, you know, just being two adults, no kids. Uh, it, was, it was nice. Uh, got to ride the rides, kind of did our own thing. First day we did Hollywood Studios, uh, rode everything, uh, rode the new Star Wars ride twice. Yeah. That was really cool. So if you're down there, I, love I highly Wars. recommend that. It's the best. Yeah. So we we were done with Hollywood Studios at like 6.30. We kind of just looked at each other and like, ah, I've seen what I need to see. Okay. Uh, and then Magic Kingdom the second day, that was a much longer day. Uh, obviously a bit of a bigger park, a lot more going on. Uh, we were there from like 10 in the morning till midnight. Oof. And then I had a two-hour drive. That's a grind. Yeah, I had a, head up, and a two-hour drive ahead of me after. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get home till like 2 in the morning. Okay. Uh, but it was good. Uh, rode the roller coasters there. Had some food. Had like you had a, blue milk, though. I had the blue milk. And it's? It's very good. That's see. the second time I've actually had it. I went to Disneyland. Yeah. A few years ago when the team was in Anaheim, we had a bit of a, we had a day off. And we were like, yeah, why not? Why do you think Luke Skywalker became the greatest Jedi ever? Because oh. he drank blue milk. Yeah, flat out. Period. Maybe that ha- will happen to me. <laughs> I, you look different. So all good. It's all because of blue milk. Yeah. Uh, glad to have you back. Something did happen while you were gone. Ordinarily during the All-Star break, player break, not much happens. Of course, yep. players go their respective ways and their respective holidays. But, of course, there was the big news 
a day and a half after the Calgary Flames paid a, or sorry, the Vancouver Canucks paid a boatload to get Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames, the Jets acquire Sean Monahan for a 2024 first round pick and a conditional third round pick in 2027. You were in line for a ride. Yep. When you found out the news. Yeah, I you know, was in an 80-minute line, as mm. you do. Uh, the ride was not worth the 80-minute wait. <laughs> it never is. Uh, oh, it was not good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it uh, you know, I was just scrolling through Twitter, and Dan Robertson tweeted just some Sean Monaghan stats, and I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. Mm-hmm. He used to work in Montreal, but maybe he's just like, hey, this could be a player we trade for. And Anyway, I thought that was weird. And so I keep scrolling, and... Oh, yeah, there's all the tweets. Like, looks like we've acquired Sean Monaghan in Winnipeg. So uh, then, you know, again, killing more time. And my wife not really happy that I'm on my phone. (laughs) But uh, that's okay. That's big news. Yeah, it was was really big news. It was really big news. So um, just processing it right then and there. And over the last few days, you know, the Jets, that was sort of the the need was a second-line center. And I think they went out and got that. And obviously, the, the Lindholm trade, the, the price was pretty steep. And I don't think the Winnipeg Jets obviously were prepared to to deliver something quite like that. Mm-hmm. But especially with Kuzmenko going the other way, uh, a very solid forward. I don't know a ton about him in terms of why things didn't work out in Vancouver for yeah, him. But yeah. uh, Great first year, but just, just could not get it together yeah, this year for whatever I, I, reason. So anyway, I just don't think there was a, a parallel in Winnipeg to be had for him. So obviously Sean Monaghan is the target and a great two-way center, great with young players playing alongside Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers, two elitely skilled forwards right now. So um, interesting to see how it sort of unfolds here. But I think if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, you got to be pretty pretty pumped up about what the Winnipeg Jets got in Sean Monahan. Well, we've got your thoughts on the trade so far. We certainly will weigh in and get the fans' thoughts on it as I asked the question of the week about what your thoughts were of the Sean Monahan deal. We'll get to that here momentarily. Just there's, there's so many... You've touched on some of the reasons of why Sean Monaghan is a bonus for the Jets. Another thing is their his face-offs. Yeah, the Jets. You know, right before the break, they had a really tough time in the face-off circle against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the back to the home and home series. The Jets clearly, with the amount of talent that they have, their star players need to have the puck. And yep. winning face-offs is such an integral part and might help out the power play a little bit, which is a little short right now. That being said, Jets have never. We've gone over. I don't need to go into why the, we feel the power play is not been what it should be because of the missing pieces so far this year but winning face off such a huge part of that Sean Monahan 55% coming into Winnipeg this season so far with the Montreal Canadiens so a welcome addition indeed and that takes us to our next part he made his debut against the Pittsburgh Penguins yep. you're just coming back yesterday so you didn't get to see the game itself I watched the first half in the airport yep that's that is commitment so they fall through nothing to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Tristan Jari, for whatever reason, has the Jets' numbers never lost. Uh, his goals against average just over one. Another shutout yesterday, but it's the Jets did him. have their chances. The one they part, the, the the game where the game turns, Brandon Dillon receives a match penalty for illegal contact, a legal yep. hit to the head. Um, he will have a conversation with the, the NHL Department of Player Safety a little bit later today. This is happening. We're recording this on Tuesday, or sorry, it's Wednesday now. Losing track it's of time. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. So he'll have that conversation. Whether or not he'll be suspended, you'll have to wait and see. Of course, go to winnipegjets.com or follow us on Twitter. Uh, where are the other? Uh, Instagram. Yeah, but all then, of them. Just go to Twitter. X, X, as it is, to find out the latest information on that. But it, yep. it just... You can we can argue whatever if it was the it was worth it, but it's just a big loss. The Jets who just seem to be having 
issues keeping you know six defensemen on the, yep. in the lineup on the ice. They lost Josh Morrissey. Uh, they've had, of course, the Brendan Dillon suspended the, the the penalty in Pittsburgh yesterday. So of course, going down to five defensemen very challenging. It is for the amount of time that they've had to do it. Yep, and yeah. I mean you're your whole rhythm then mm-hmm. gets thrown off and you guys have guys playing more minutes than they're used to playing. And I think your matchups change. So especially with Brendan Dillon being the physical force that he is and, and he plays the line for sure yeah. in, in a lot of scenarios, but I think for the most part, he's a very clean player. Yeah. Um, especially since he's gotten here to Winnipeg. So, you know, obviously unfortunate situation in Pittsburgh last night, you never want to see somebody get hurt. And I think Brendan Dillon would probably tell you the exact same thing too. Um, but you know, it is a bit odd that they can't seem to keep all six D men in the lineup for for a game on a on a just for one game. But uh, we'll see what happens. Who comes in? If there's a suspension, not sure yet. So uh, lots lots to unfold there. A hundred percent. And the Jets uh, com- had obviously some thoughts after the game, losing three 0 to Pittsburgh. Here's Mark Scheifele, Neil Pionk, and of course head coach Rick Bonus. You guys had a lot of good looks. Right? Yeah, we had a ton of good looks. You know, he made some big saves. <clears throat> they blocked a lot of shots, had some good sticks. So I don't think that's anything to get frustrated about. We made a lot of good plays. We made a lot of good entries. Um, nothing to be frustrated about there. Uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, he made some good saves, but uh, we got to settle the puck down and get some, uh, some quality shots too. Um, I know we're a little shot happy right now, pass happy. Um, we're a little scrambly right now, so it's, it's on us. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Yeah, it's another game where we're playing too much with five defensemen, but again, that's hockey. We had, we had enough good looks to crawl back into that game, and the, the similarity in the four games right now is our inability to score. We're not getting outworked. We're not getting outplayed. We're just we're just not scoring right now. The offense is a little bit out of sync. Mark needs a couple of games. Uh, Sean needs a couple of games. We're going to be fine. We'll be all right. Hi, I'm Mark Shifley. Oh, here comes Shifley. Moves in, shoots, and And this is the Ground Control Podcast. All right, so... Tough loss. The Jets, though, the schedule has been great for them this year, and it's tremendous in the month of February. Yeah. They play Philadelphia on Thursday. They come home to play Pittsburgh on Saturday, and then don't play again until Wednesday. Yeah, and that Pittsburgh game, they play Friday in mini. Yeah. So, 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 you know, not saying it's, you know, just it's a nice little bonus. A hundred percent. And I also promised that we would get to your comments, and you being the fans, about um, – the trade with Sean Monaghan coming to Winnipeg. And, of course, I put the question out to you, the fans, about what your thoughts were on the Sean Monaghan deal. So we'll just go through a few of them here, starting uh, with my favorite one was the Sean Monaghan one. And, of course, is Sean Monaghan going to come? Boring Sean Monaghan going to come back on Twitter. And not sure. We're, he liked the tweet. He or the per, whoever's running the, tw- the Twitter page is not Sean Monaghan that we know of. No. So hopefully... They come out of retirement. We'll find out about a little bit later about that. Uh, partial Breakaway Podcast said better fit in Winnipeg than Lindholm. Producer Scott said for what the Jets gave up to get him, I really hope he produces points like a superstar. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, uh, John Cutler adds, hope it turns out to be like the Stassi trade and not the Hayes trade. Of course, Kevin Hayes here for not very long. No. Um, and it was just six games against St. Louis Blues. Of course, Paul Stassi, the trade – that was a huge trade, caught everybody off guard. That was at the deadline, yeah. and then the Jets went to the Western Conference Final to go out uh, and all the way to the Western Conference Final to face the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, tremendous run, so I could see where that one's coming from. But we'll have to see how Sean Monaghan shakes out, and uh, very interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, obviously, like we've talked about, two-way mm-hmm. center, yeah. good with young players, great on face-offs. 
Time will tell. Yeah. And that's all we can do at this point. And then what else we can do right now is we're going to get to uh, some other big news that came out of the NHL All-Star Weekend. But first, here's my conversation with former Winnipeg Jet and current Chicago Blackhawks broadcaster, Troy Murray. He is the color radio analyst of the Chicago Blackhawks and former Winnipeg Jet, Troy Murray. Troy, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. How are you today? I'm doing good, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, listen, I got to ask. I love the Jets gear. Tell us the story behind <laughs> that and where you got that from is in, in the great city of Chicago. Well, you obviously know uh, Zinger and, uh, you know, yep. we go way back. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been battling cancer and everything. So for Hockey Fights Cancer Night, Zinger got me the hat and he got uh, this uh, uh, hoodie made up with my number on it and, and gave it to me. It was, uh, you know, something special and uh, I, I keep it and uh, I wear the hat quite a bit. Troy, you, you were here for such a short time, but to have the relationship that you have <laughs> from your time in Winnipeg, says a lot about that team and says a lot about the city, does it not? You know what? I, I loved Winnipeg. I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, you know, we, we had a great group of guys. Keith Kachuk came in. You know, Zamnoff was there his rookie season. Uh, Timo Solani, obviously mm -hmm. his rookie season was, was phenomenal. Uh, John Paddock was the coach. I, I still uh, keep in touch with him. I see Zinger all the time. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the, my time there. The people were excellent. I loved the organization. They were tremendous to me when I was there. And actually, I, I got traded back to Chicago, and I was disappointed that mm -hmm. uh, I was leaving Winnipeg to go back to Chicago because I, I enjoyed Winnipeg that much. Um, listen, it says a lot about you. You were named captain your first year here. What did that mean to you? That, that had to say something about the player that you were and the person that you were as well. Yeah, I think when, when Mike Smith, uh, you know, initiated the trade um, to bring me to Winnipeg, uh, you know, there was a, a leadership component to that, um, mm -hmm. to that trade. And, and I had a, a great conversation with John Paddock that summer. And, and he said, you know, Troy, we, we just we want to make a change here and, and we'd like you to be our captain. And I was very honored. I was surprised, but very honored. Uh, to be put in that position and it was something that I really cherished and um, you know I just I, I had the opportunity to be around some some great people and some great players there and Thomas Dean was the longtime captain there and, you know it certainly was kind of uh, a situation where I, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes or anything like that um, uh, so I did have a conversation with Thomas and he was totally fine with it and uh, you know we, we just uh, it was a, a very a big honor for me to be put in that situation and and the trust of the general manager, the organization and the coaching staff in me was, uh, was something that I'll always remember. What was the challenge for you to be the new guy and the captain at the same time? Well, you know what? I, I think when you, it, it's just like a, a trade, you know, you're disappointed to leave one team, but you're welcomed into the locker room with the others. And, and they made some adjustments that summer and they, they wanted to kind of have a different feel uh, to the season. So, um, you know, again, I, I felt a little bit uncomfortable being put in that position because I knew that Thomas had been there and had been the captain for a long time that um, I, I didn't want to, um, you know, be in the way of, of something that he, that he was building or anything like that. But, uh, you know, they asked and they explained why they wanted to do it. And, and again, it was just an honor to be put in that position. And I think everybody in the room, you know, re respected, you know, whether Thomas Dean was wearing a letter or not. I mean, he was the guy inside the room and, and Randy Carlisle was there. So there were some great leaders that were already in place and, 
And uh, I just kind of worked alongside with them. I mean, it wasn't me being just the sole leader of that team. We we had great people inside the room and and we had a, a great group of guys that uh, I just, you know, I leaned on myself to be put in a situation because they had been there before Randy Carlisle and, and Thomas Dean, guys like Phil Housley as well. Yeah, Randy seems like such a gruff guy. What, like he has this tough exterior. <laughs> he's, 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 he, listen, it, it's all on the it's all on the outside. On the inside, he's a marshmallow, and, and he knows that. But uh, you know, he he was a, a veteran player, and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, he did his own thing, and uh, everybody respected him for who he was and what he had accomplished. And and you know, he was a great role model for me. I really loved being around him. And uh, but he he had that sarcastic uh, sense of humor that uh, you know sometimes you didn't know which way he was going or what you know was he kidding is he serious um but but i love being around randy I, I thought he was just a great guy when when he was coaching and you were in the in the media business at that point did you get a couple of chuckles with how he dealt with the media as a coach uh watching it from the media perspective yeah you know it, it's funny Jimmy, because when <laughs> when you when you move to the other side of the equation and you know yeah. me as a player then as a broadcaster you you look at it in a completely different light and i think randy you know, as a coach, still had that uh, that dry sense of humor that that you know he relayed to the media when he was talking to the media. You know, there was always that hint of sarcasm whenever he was talking. That, that you know, you kind of looked at the reporters and they're like, "What is he serious? Is he what is he talking about?" Um, but again, that was his personality, and and he he was so much fun to be around. You know, just uh, a great guy. But you know, again, uh, gruff on the outside, but soft on the in the middle. Yeah, and when we speak about tough on the outside and, and soft on the middle, we talk about Craig Heisinger. And I, listen, I, I love talking to Jets alumni because there's so many great stories about Zinger. <laughs> and you said he has this hat collection. And I told, I texted Zinger about it and he gave me the old eye roll or head slap thing. So I, please share with us about his, his cap collection. So, <laughs> so he, he in, 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 his, in his training room, he would have all the hats up on the yeah. wall like this. Yeah. And he was, he was really proud of his, of his collection. And they, you know, they sat up there and, you know, they just were there on the wall like this. So I, I would go in, I'd take a Sharpie and I signed the underneath of the brim of all his favorite hats and yeah. I put them back on the wall. So he, he didn't even know that I had signed them. And then one day, <laughs> one day, one day he, I don't know what happened. He, he took a hat off the wall and he, he saw my, my signature on there and he's like, what the? <laughs> looks at another. He looks at another one. At least it was his treasured hat collection that he had. He, you know, he was collecting these hats from all over. And he, he was he was so mad at me that I signed every hat, <laughs> ruined his collection. <laughs> he, never, he, oh, he was he was so mad at me. He just was like, and then still mad today. <laughs> Well, he, he told me a story. I was up in his office when I, when I started, uh, you know, back in, in media and Winnipeg was back in the NHL. Yeah. Um, so I, I I was up in Zinger's office and we we talked about the hat collection story and, and he just started laughing. He goes, and he, you know, my nickname was Muzz. He goes, you know, Muzz, he says, I, I threw out all the hats. Mm -hmm. I kept one that had your signature on it. And that's why I kept that hat because he wanted to have the one hat with my signature on it. He said, I kept one just to, just to remind me. Where did Muzz come from? Uh, oh boy, that goes way back. I played for the St. Albert Saints um, yeah. in tier two uh, in St. Albert with um, uh, Mark Messier. 
And mm-hmm. Doug Messier was our coach. And we had a, a little stick boy named Jimmy Bukanski. And uh, uh, he named it. Mark Messier's nickname was Mezzer. So mm-hmm. I was a young kid and I was playing in the Saints. He goes, well, you're Murray. He's Mezzer. I'm going to call you Muzzer. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of where it came from. I was probably 16 years old. And through my hockey career that stayed there, you know, not many people outside of the hockey world call me that. But inside the hockey world, it, it, it's still kind of my nickname. Uh, it's amazing how long these nicknames stick for when they have such early, uh, you know, roots, right? Yeah. And I actually, when I got to Chicago, Murray Bannerman uh, was our goaltender and his nickname was Muzz. So every time somebody <laughs> said Muzz, I, I was turning around and well, they weren't talking to me. <laughs> um, listen, you, you cover the current game as a radio analyst. What does going back to the Olympics mean for the National Hockey League, in your opinion? Well, I think it's just, you know, it's the biggest stage in, in sports, the Olympics. And, um, you know, for hockey, I think it's such a, a, a big part of it. And, and it's such a big draw. It, you know, it's one of the most popular sports in, in the Winter Olympics. And I think that if you're going to be put on that stage and you look at all the other events, it's the world's best against yeah. the world's best. And so this is what you're looking at. Again, you're looking at the world's best. And I understand you know, there's, you know, there's complications. And, you know, back in the early 80s, actually kind of in my time when I came into the NHL, I was, I was between University of North Dakota and, um, you know, going, coming and turning pro or sticking around and maybe playing in the Olympics. Um, and, you know, I, so I missed that, that kind of window to be an amateur playing uh, in the Olympics. But I think on that stage, when you, when you look at the Olympics and what it means, it's the best against the best. Yeah. And so for the NHL to be back there, you're, you're going to see, you know, every great player in the game today it, it, from all different countries playing against one another. And I, I think that that's kind of the showcase of what the NHL wants to, to put out there is the opportunity to, to show off the, the game of hockey and, and how good it is and, and what it means to the Olympics. Can you, can you imagine that like, we've missed out on Connor McDavid and, and Nathan McKinnon and Mark Shifley at the Olympic games. And, you know, Connor Bedard's coming up now as a young player in the, in the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, that's, we've missed a lot of that, haven't we? Yeah. And I, I think for the, the players themselves, uh, you know, to be in that, to have that opportunity to represent your country um, in the Olympics is, is something really special. So for, you know, a guy like Connor McDavid, um, he, he might make the Canadian team or he might not, I don't know, but you know, yeah. if he, if he, if he just happens to make it, you know, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a great opportunity. And, and again, it's a great honor uh, to represent your country at that level and to be, you know, put in the spotlight against the, the other uh, best teams in the world, the best players in the world, I think is very meaningful for all of these players. And for the years that they missed it, I think they understand the situation, the complexity of, mm-hmm. of the, the, the NHL players going, because it's just not as simple as saying we're going to send a team there. You know, you, you've got all kinds of insurance issues. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on there. Um, you know, whether your top player gets hurt in the Olympics, you know, that's tough on an owner because Certainly. Saying, we, you know, we're going for the Stanley Cup here and we've got all our best players on our team playing on the stage, well, what happens if somebody gets hurt? And that's always the possibility, whether you're playing in the Olympics or anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of complications to get it done. But I, I think the players certainly appreciate um, and will cherish that opportunity. And anybody, you know, th- there was a lot of guys that played it in the heyday for the Blackhawks there uh, on the Olympic team. And, yes. and you look at, uh, you know, guys like Taves, Kane, uh, Sharp, um, 
uh, Steve Brooke, Doug, and Keith Jomerson, you know, there yeah. there were so many guys on that team and, and and they whether they won or lost, you know, memories that will never be forgotten. And and I think that's what it's all about. You the, the, the Hawks have played against the top six teams in the Western Conference quite a bit. You got Dallas, you got Winnipeg, you got Colorado, Vegas, Edmonton, Vancouver. What has impressed you about Winnipeg so much this early in the season and as we get into the final stretch here? You know, I, I look at Winnipeg and and um you know, to me, a little bit surprising how well they've done and how consistent mm-hmm. they've been. Um, and they've dealt with some major injuries, uh, obviously, to a couple of their key players, which is which is tough. But um, I, I look at the the Jets and and I look at and Rick Bonus is, is you know is a is a dear friend of mine, and I know mm-hmm. that you know he's gone through some tough times uh, th- this year. Um, but he's a great coach. And I think that the one thing that when, as a broadcaster, when I talk to other teams or coaches and stuff like that, the one thing that they talk about Winnipeg is they've all bought into the structure of how they need to play to be successful. And I think that that really goes a long way, whether it's your the top line in Winnipeg, whether it's your fourth line, first pair mm-hmm. of D or last pair, they're, they're all playing the same way. They're all committed to, to doing what they need to do as a group to get the job done. And then they've got one of the best goaltenders in the league. So, um, you know, tough to get through their structure. They do an excellent job defending in their own end of the ice. Uh, and then surprisingly, I think that the, the offense that maybe some people didn't think would be there uh, is there. And, um, you know, they made a nice addition here in the last little bit too, to solidify their center position. So, you know, I, I think that they're well-coached hockey team and they're a team that, if you take lightly, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and I, I look at a guy like Sean Monahan. A lot of people that see this trade, they see him as a second-line center. But Sean Monahan's at Winnipeg Jet for more reasons than that. And we've heard about the chemistry and the way he deals with young players. How important is that in today's game that a veteran player is good with younger players? No better example than what we've had here in Chicago. Um, you know, being in a position to uh, get lucky and, and get Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. If you're Kyle Davidson, you look at, you know, Connor Bedard coming in as an 18-year-old, you need to surround him with some some good veteran people and some, yes. some presence inside the locker room. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say this, you know, 100% for sure, but I, I, I would, wouldn't think that, you know, Corey Perry, who now is in, in, in Edmonton, mm-hmm. Nick Foligno and Taylor Hall, I don't know if that trade is made if they don't have – Connor Bedard on board, right? But, you know, you bring in a former first round draft pick, a first overall pick, in, in Taylor Hall, so he kind of knows how to deal with it. He's been in the league; he's, he's an MVP, um, so he can kind of mentor uh, Connor Bedard. And then Nick Foligno has been just a, a phenomenal addition, and they've signed him to a two year extension, and, and rightly so because they build that culture inside the locker room, and that culture that Nick Foligno brought into the room that that Taylor Hall will when he when he comes back from his injury along with guys like Connor Murphy, uh, Seth Jones, some of the veteran players, Jason Dickinson has, has mm-hmm. really stepped up in his leadership role. And that is, that's crucial in, in trying to create the culture that needs to be inside that room. And that goes from the older guys who, whether they've learned it or not, whether they've won a cup like a Tyler Johnson um, yeah. inside the room, you know, that speaks volumes about how you want to develop your culture. And Kyle Davidson, the general manager here in Chicago you know, has identified some key players here, bringing Jason Dickinson back because he he's bringing that leadership because he's, you know, he's uh, a guy that's well-respected inside the locker room. And then and Nick Foligno, another two-year extension 
they want those guys around to bring the Connor Bedards and the young players, the prospects that are going to be coming in Vlasic on the, on the defensive side mm-hmm. of it with Murphy and, and Seth Jones, you know, they've, they've got a lot of really high end prospects coming in, in the next couple seasons, they, they loaded up with draft picks and that they still have a ton more coming. So the next two to three years, you're going to see a lot of players filter into that room that are young and they want the culture to be established the right way. And, and that's why you bring in, uh, veteran players like a Sean Monahan that that can help um, a guy like, you know, Nick Foligno, th- those guys are just, they're hard to find. And, and when you get an opportunity to bring that type of player in, into the organization, you do whatever you need to do. And, and further to that, you know, you were a center for a long time. That's that was your position. How important are face-offs? Like, I, I think, you know, that was part of what Sean was brought in 55% guy in the face-off <laughs> circle like that. How integral is that to your success as a team? in the playoffs and then the stretch run, obviously. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a stickler on that. And I, yeah. I know people kind of probably sit there and they go, ah, you know, whatever, but it's puck possession uh, yes. in, in all, in all zones. And when you have a guy like Patrice Bergeron, um, Jonathan Taves for so many years, mm-hmm. one of the, you know, two of the best face-off guys, you put those guys out and 60% of the time you, you have puck possession. And when you get into the playoffs, you know, down the stretch run, you need those reliable guys that, okay, we need a defensive zone faceoff. We need to win this. Sean Monaghan could be one of those guys that, that goes into that situation. Saw it for so many years here with Jonathan Taves. Every big faceoff, you know, Joe Quenville or, you know, Jeremy Colleton or Luke Richardson, you don't even have to look up and down the, the bench. You just kind of make eye contact with, with Taves. He's already got one foot over the boards kind of thing because he knows that's what he needs to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that it's, it's so important, especially when you have skilled players. Yeah. If you have skilled players, most of them are not wired to get the puck back. Mm-hmm. They're wired to have the puck. So, well you know, when Patrick, when Patrick Kane was on the ice, if you didn't win the faceoff, well, he spends 25 seconds chasing the puck around, probably in your own zone for a little bit. You know, you get the puck and maybe you've got 15 seconds left of, of lung capacity, you know, mm-hmm. before you can start. But if you win the draw, you're going to put the puck in the hands of those skilled players right away. And, you know, defensively, you know, those face-offs are, are critical to eliminate offensive opportunities. Then you flip it down in the offensive zone. I mean, so many teams now have set plays. I know Winnipeg has them as well. You yeah. win those faceoffs, and all of a sudden, it, it it should be a scoring chance or at least an opportunity to get the puck to the net. In the neutral zone, it's all about puck possession. And, you know, if you lose the draw in the neutral zone, pretty, um, you know, I would say 95%. I don't know what the analytics would say, yeah. but it usually ends up in the offensive zone of the team that wins the faceoff. So now you've got your best skilled players defending, and that's not where you want them to be playing. Yeah, I love that explanation so much. And, um, you know, we talk about captaincy. Adam Lowry is the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. When you saw that news and knowing Adam as well as you do, how happy were you for the organization? And what did you see? Have you seen a change, I guess, since Adam Lowry became the captain? You know what? And and I I certainly don't want to be critical in in anything that that was before Adam. But when when you look at and I know he's 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 an old soul, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you look at Nick Felino, the apple doesn't far fall far from the tree with, <laughs> yeah. you know, Adam and, and his father, Dave, 
um, you know, who I played against basically my entire career. He was just one of those guys that, that played the game honestly and played it the right way. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to, you know, to see what it means, you know, like a Connor Murphy, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, his father played, Gord played in it. So those guys kind of develop a, a culture within them, themselves. And it, it may not, and I was, you know, when you looked at when I was named captain, you know, I wasn't the best player on the team by far. I mean, you know, we had some great players and some skilled players. Um, but when I looked at the, when Adam Lowry was named captain, I go, you know what? I, I love it because mm-hmm. he, he he's like Nick Felino. He, he knows the game. He knows how to support his players. He knows when he needs to jump in and do something. Um, you know, just an, an honest player. Is he the best player in the team? No. Is he the leader of that team? And I think they have a lot of guys in the room. But he understands the way that the game needs to be played in, in today's game. And, and that's the same as Nick Flano here in Chicago. He's not a captain, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's just he, he he's an, an old soul player. He's an old school guy. And that's what I see in Adam Lowry. And, and that's kind of what I see now is that is that culture of that team all buying in, sticking together, playing for one another. Um, and, and that comes from their their leadership all the way down. Yeah. And, you know, how and last one for you. How how was your, how was your heart when you heard about Judy and her health challenges and you knowing Rick as well as you do? Yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, um, people will ask me, and I you know I played in Chicago for you know ten years and then Winnipeg and and uh, at, at, you know Ottawa, Pittsburgh, and Colorado. I had some great coaches, but Rick was. They say you know who was your favorite coach, and I, I'll say Rick Bonus, and okay. we were we were a terrible team in Ottawa. I mean, we were, that was like, you know, the infancy stages of Ottawa coming into the NHL and, and drafting Alexander Gag and we had Yashin, some real young players. And, and another reason why I was kind of brought in uh, to that situation in Ottawa to help some of those younger players, but I, I loved Rick Bonus. And so I really uh, become close to him. And over the years, uh, you know, we've always kept in touch. And, and I think Rick does an excellent job of, of keeping touch with former players and, and, you know, and that kind of thing. So when, when Judy uh, had her health issues and, and Rick stepped away, that was, that was a tough one. Um, you know, and I, I texted him right away and, and he got back to me, uh, you know, thank you, Troy. And, and, you know, thoughts and prayers are with you. So when you see something like that to a special person like Rick, and, and there's a yeah. reason why he's coached or been in a coach, in, in whether it's a head coach or assistant coach for more games than anybody in the NHL, because he's a good person yeah. and uh, people like him uh, around, but he's also an honest, honest coach. He's a great person and an honest coach. And when I think if you're looking at the personality of a coach, you want to respect him as a person and what he brings to life. Um, and then you look at, is he a good coach? And I think Rick has both of those. So when the news broke that Judy was not feeling well and he took some time away, I think that, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, the entire hockey world, who most of these players, fathers, or, you know, they, they've they they've been in touch with Rick Bonus in a lot of ways because he's been around for so long that I think it really it really was tough on the whole uh, hockey world. And, and it was tough to see. And, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, he's back, back coaching and Judy's feeling better. I know it's a long process yet, but mm-hmm. she's doing well. Yeah, the best part, Troy, is I heard Rick say that uh, one positive that came out of Judy's health issues is that everyone knows her name now. It's not just Rick Bonus's wife. It's just how <laughs> he says everybody when when they ask him about Judy, like, how's Judy doing? Instead of how's your wife doing? Everyone knows who Judy is now. She's become famous. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's special. I mean, you can tell that they're very close, and and uh, it was it was really tough on on Rick to to go through that. And you know, obviously Judy was the one with the health issues, but you know, you you go to that you go through that together. And I know that was really tough on Rick. And um, I, I think it was a great example that life is much more important than than the game. And you know, everybody understood. Take as much time as you need whatever yeah. you need, we're here to support you. And, and that's, that's what I love about hockey. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I, I'm dealing with issues obviously, but you know, you look at some guys that, uh, you know, recently, um, you know, a, a good Western boy, you know, Darren Kimball going yeah. through, through cancer, uh, Kelly chase, yes. you know, so, um, you know, it affects everybody and, and nobody likes that. But what I've found is, is the hockey community is such a, a special a group of people, whether it's the current players, past players, teammates, you know, guys that you ran across, you know, everybody is reaching out um, and that support is tremendous. And it, it, it goes a long way in knowing that you have that support throughout the, the hockey community. Troy, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for looking at the past, the present, and the future with us. And we wish you all your best for the health. And uh, I love that you're Go Jets, go, and appreciate that. And, and I, I can't <laughs> wait to tell Zinger what you said about the hat collection. So <laughs> thanks so much. Zinger, he, he's going to roll his eyes because he oh. – and just, just ask him, ask him, Jamie, how mad he was because he was so mad that I ruined his hat collection. But after he got after he got mad, he, he would he would laugh because he's like, that, that's a good one. <laughs> thanks so much, Troy. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I appreciate it. Last but not least, big news coming out of the All-Star game. Um, best on best hockey is coming back. Yeah. Um, there'll be the Four Nations Challenge. There'll be United States, Canada, Finland, Sweden. That will happen in 2025 in February. It'll be over nine days. So you, you don't – it's not everything at once, but yeah. it's a nice – it's a good appetizer for best on best hockey. It is. And I think, you know, being employees of the Winnipeg Jets, mm-hmm. it is – you know, a prerequisite that you just are not allowed to like Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah. You have to cheer against him. That's yeah. how it works. Yes, it Same is. Same with Nathan McKinnon and all these great players. Sidney Crosby, obviously right now. Um, but I think it's in the best interest of the game of hockey and the NHL for a little bit of a break from the standard format that hockey has become and have this best on best. Yeah. You know, seeing those elite players actually play with each other instead of battling against one another – I think is just an absolute treat for hockey fans. It's good to get the the rivalries going in terms of the, you know the the international competitions, yes. um, and then that bleeds into you know your NHL rivalries as well. Yeah. I, I think it's just it's good for the game. It's great for the fans. It's good for growing the game. That's yeah. the other thing. Um, so it'll be a nice nice little break from the All Star game, obviously, uh, too. So. I think the NHL is doing doing a great thing here. Yeah, the NHL, the All Star Game. Uh, you know, if you, for those of you that saw it, it was much better. I don't know the little tweaks they made to yeah. it. The, the the skills competition was fantastic. Connor McDavid, of course, having a part in that and rejigging things a little bit to make it a little bit more interesting and more competitive. And when you put a million dollars on the line, that makes things yeah. way more interesting. Everybody obviously. steps it up a yeah. little bit. I would for hope. some reason, except uh, Kucherov, <laughs> such a great player. <laughs> um, so, and on top of that, the the NHL is going to the Olympics, so it'll be 2026 in Italy. 
that's the best on best we've been all been waiting for and of course so that means no all-star game for 2025 and 2026 as we get back to best on best format welcome news indeed from the nhl all-star game so that'll do it for us in this edition of ground control the official podcast of the winnipeg jets he is tyler esquivel i'm jamie thomas and of course many thanks to former winnipeg jet troy murray for joining us here we'll see you next week <laughs>